Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Human Octane. If you're the kind of person who pushes the limit, then you've got to check out Human Octane Apparel training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes, and these guys just get it. Everything they make drives lightning fast, has zippered pockets, is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding. I've gotten to know these guys, and trust me, they're going to out-innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, folks, I have the great pleasure of having Laura Messner on the show with us today. And Laura, anybody that's been on social media that does OCR has seen Laura. And I especially enjoy watching Laura in and around Christmas when she does her little holiday video clips. I look forward to seeing them one after the next. I guess it's what the how many days to Christmas? 12 days to Christmas? Is that what it was, Laura? It was uh, December 1st through uh, Christmas Eve. Through through July 27th? <laughs> <laughs> Not July, no. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, 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 how many hits did you get for that? I mean, you must have got a lot of traffic for those things. Yeah, and then some days, you know, I mean, obviously life gets in the way sometimes. So some days I'd have to put it on in the, put, put a post on in the morning, and people would just be sending me messages so upset that I did not post one the day that I was supposed to, but I mean, they're happy I put it up afterwards, but it, it's awesome. I love how people look forward to seeing them. Christmas can either be very joyous for people or very sad, so yeah. to lift their spirits is kind of nice and give them something to look forward to. Well, you, you put a smile on my face a few times over it, i got to be honest. Well, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Thank you. Well, thank you for watching. And thank you for thanking me for thanking you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, so Laura, we didn't even, you know, I jumped right into this. Say hello. How's it going? <laughs> Not to me, to everybody else. Oh, hi, everyone. Woohoo. So, Laura, so many things come to mind. And the first thing that came to mind, obviously enough, was the impact you had over the Christmas holiday with your little video clips that you put up. And before I let that go, I got to ask you: Did you put those up on YouTube? I did, yeah. Did you get a yep. bazillion hits on them for YouTube? Uh, no, because I don't think um, uh, people aren't looking at YouTube for them. At least on my page, um, I don't really focus in on YouTube. I just put it there just in case somebody looks it up and sees, oh well, what's this Christmas video? And then next thing you know, they watch the other one, but. For the most part, I think the followers on those were all on Facebook. Okay. I'm just curious because, uh, you know, that type of thing could get interesting. Yeah. You put a lot of energy into it. You know, it's not like you just kind of tossed it up there. You must have thought it through and you put a lot of energy into it. Yeah, it was fun. It actually made the Christmas time better for me, too, because 
you know, I kind of get in the Christmas dumps at times as well. So being able to kind of lift myself up to be creative and to do something fun or uh, for other people too. And it's just all in all a good, I guess, exercise or just a fun activity. <laughs> you know what my solution is for Christmas? What's that? I leave. You leave. Good. <laughs> I go to Mexico. Like, well, Warm. I go honestly. <laughs> I go. I go like to Cancun or someplace. My wife and I together, and we just we just go down there, chill, have a really good time, and just blow the whole thing off. Well, see, you know, not everybody has that luxury. So, I mean, I'll just set up a chair and you know have a little umbrella drink and fan myself. <laughs> well, you know, they've done movies about how the whole family dynamic is such a pain in the butt around Christmas and how. I don't even know the name of the movies, but they were where, you know, they tried to slip out to Hawaii or something like that. And, and, uh, all the Christmas vacation. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But the point yeah. is, is that, it, you know, all the crap that goes on because you did it. I mean, we yep. literally told family and friends to, Hey, uh, by the way, we're not going to be here. <laughs> we're leaving <laughs> because we used to host Christmas. Right. And, yep. and what a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And we did it for like, uh, honestly, we hosted Christmas, for the last 12 years or something. Wow. And uh, we just finally came to a point in the road where we said, you know what? That's like so not fun. We're going to be <laughs> we're going to be honest about it with ourselves and and we're going to we're going to own up to the fact that it was really not worth it. And mm. people come because they feel like they need to family members that are like distant family members and in-laws and stuff like that. They come because they feel like they're supposed to, and you, they make a huge mess in your house, yeah. and then they leave. And you you reflect on it and go, wow, that just sucked. <laughs> and that ruined the Christmas. So now we try to, we just bail. And they know that about us now. They just know, like, they're leaving. And you know what? And deep down, they're envious. They're thinking, wow, we could have done that. I want to be on a jet ski with a, a Mexican Santa Claus, you know, you know, some some Mexican guy that's dressed up like Santa, uh, and yep. uh, singing Feliz Navidad, and, <laughs> and smoking. I can totally see you doing that. Oh no, I did totally do that. Can. I can show you the video. It's, I'm you sure know, you can. Yeah, smoking Cuban cigars and drinking mojitos and just looking uh, at my wife, and we're looking at each other, going, <laughs> "This is awesome." You no know, dishes you, we, tonight. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got that moment in time where we're like, oh, man, that was so great. Yep. All right, so a couple things. I have a couple things on the agenda to talk about. Okay. The first thing is, in benefit of my sponsor, Human Octane, mm-hmm. a new company, and I know that you've been wearing some of the Human Octane Capris. Mm-hmm. By the way, my wife wears those, loves them. And just from a standpoint of now that you've been wearing them, now that you're racing in them, I want an honest-to-God opinion about what your thoughts are in respect to functionality, comfort, things like that. I just, I think it's good for people to know firsthand from someone that's going to be honest what they think about the product. Right. I mean, well, I started with the Capris, and I instantly love them simply for the fact that they have a totally different material on the knee part. So when you're doing crawls or barbed wire or anything where you have to, you know, 
do anything with your knees digging into rocks. It, it takes away that pain that comes with that. Mind you, I, I used to put on just tape over my knees just for that fact to save my knees from getting cut and bruised. So having that, and then I, I tested it for a couple races um, within the past month, and they've, they've been great. And I, they, what is it? It's like right in the back. They have that like zipper pocket too. So like if it's a longer run, which I just did the bone frog, which was around nine, 10 miles. And you can just put your goose right in there. So instead of, you know, shoving them in your socks, like I used to do and they'd fall out. <laughs> um, it's just always going to be there. Cause as a zipper that secures it, but I, I like it. Um, I have tested it out a couple of times. I've even brought it out to the mountains with me just for the compression factor alone. And they're extremely comfortable. Uh, I even, I did get the shirt as well uh, after seeing how the Caprice felt. And what I really liked about the shirt, obviously it's a compression, but it has zippers for uh, what are they called? The, the goose or electrolytes on the side so it's more easily accessible instead of trying to reach around. And then also they have um, the, the sleeves, which out of all of them, I think I like the sleeves the best. Really? Because <laughs> sleeves are so hard, as, well, at least for me, to find good sleeves for OCR because I have an issue where my bicep pulls really easily. I don't know what causes it or anything, but any pulling uh, obstacles that I have to do. If I'm not wearing a sleeve of compression, it instantly just irritates it and it feels like tendonitis in, in my bicep or elbow or whatever that is that connects to the bicep. And so I, I got those just to see if they'd actually be one compression because a majority of companies that say they have compression sleeves, they're, they're just like sleeves to keep your arms warm <laughs> like they're not even compression at all and it's kind of disappointing but these they actually are compression they're hard to actually get on at first which is just good and they have the the same material as the on the side that you crawl with as they do on the capris so when you're crawling through the barbed wire or anything it it helps your arms stay protected from the cuts and bruises so that that was a big bonus for me. But overall, like I'm, I was very happy with it. Cool. Very happy with it. Excellent. <clears throat> well, as you know, I don't race, so <laughs> I have to get this firsthand from others. You uh, should. Well, I looked at the fabric. I mean, you know, I come up from wearing compression with triathlon and things like that back in my day, and mm-hmm. so I have a sense of it. I was sponsored by Two Times You for quite a while, and so I've had a chance to talk to people about the science and textile differences between the products. So I had a sense of it, and uh, I thought the product's done very well, and, and I think that it was kind of interesting to see somebody come out that their whole focus was creating a product for the sport mm-hmm. and legitimizing the sport, in, in fact, by offering a product for the sport, where right. it used to be that people would have to wear basketball shorts or <laughs> what a, yeah. you know some other kind of you know derivative sport um apparel uh to come out and and do their thing so anyway that was that's just something i wanted to get out and i appreciate your take on it so 
before we get off that subject, I, I mentioned it to you in a message that mm-hmm. a lot of people are not aware that if they show up on the podium, so if you place in a Spartan, Tough Mudder, pretty much any OCR event, wearing with the human octane apparel, and I think you need to wear the hat. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you get 200 bucks. That's awesome. Hey, why not, right? It's more of an incentive to get on podium, right? <laughs> well, it's it pays for the clothes. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like free yeah. clothes. Absolutely. And then it becomes the gift that keeps on giving because once you've paid <laughs> for the clothes, you just start banking that money. And what clothing company does that, you know? That's awesome. They don't. They I don't. think that's very really smart. Yeah. So I wanted to bring that out on the show because I think it's important for people to know that because if you've been hedging on whether you want to spend whatever it is for a pair of their shorts or their compression or whatever – there's your argument right there. <laughs> right. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that come July. 21st to the 22nd. Or okay. no, 22nd to the 23rd. You sure? Is that Saturday, Sunday? Or is it Friday, Saturday? It's Saturday, Sunday. Then yes, 22nd, 23rd. I know I double-checked with you before I posted it. I and think. I still have room in my car for anybody that wants to carpool to that event, Richard Diaz's running clinic that weekend in Vermont. July 22nd, 23rd. That's right. So you're offering room in your car. That's right. Now, <laughs> and if they can't afford the 99 bucks to stay at the Cortina Inn, mm-hmm. which includes breakfast, they could sleep yep. in your car. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Summertime. <laughs> I mean, it is small. It's a it's a Honda Fit, but, you know, you make do with what you got. Right. <laughs> well, they just got to lay on top of it or something. Yeah. Hey, so bring a blanket. Last year, you went to the clinic. Yes. I had to, you know, jerk your arm out of socket to get you to come. <laughs> but you came. And yep. having been to that clinic, Give me, you know, the key points that you felt like, boy, am I glad I did that and why you want to come back. For sure. I mean, it's funny because even when I'm running in a race uh, now, and I'm running, I, I have your voice in my head too, <laughs> which is the, um, you know, because for me, I'd always cross my arms over, over my body when I run. And obviously that's, I, I think just stopping your your speed because it's not, you know, all in one straight motion. And so just thinking about buffing my nails like, like you had described in the clinic and keeping your, your arms more um, forward instead of crossing over your body. And immediately it's like I feel like my feet then are aligned with each other. My arms are aligned. I'm going faster. And it's weird. It's just something so little that makes such a big difference, which is really what I tell people is it's all the little nitty-gritty details that nobody seems to pick up that you need to know and learn from these type of clinics to make the world a difference in your running. It's huge, huge. I can't even tell you how much faster I feel just by that one tiny little adjustment. I mean, as it is, I'm not a super 
super like six minute mile repeat runner yet. But just recently I did a, a six, six thirty mile. Nice. So, I mean, again, somebody that doesn't run super, super fast yet, but I mean, I was pretty stoked about that. So yeah, that's good. Two mm-hmm. years ago, uh, my fastest mile was, mind you, eight minutes. So <laughs> nice. Well, that's yeah. improvement. Yeah. Um, so. Well, just for your edification, the idea of crossing your body with your arms, what it does is it causes you to kind of corkscrew through space, and you uh-huh. uh, you you have a counteractivity that happens where if your left arm crosses your body, your right leg crosses over your left side, and yeah. so you start to pitch your legs kitty wampus across your body and then you become unstable and so really running is about force production off the ground and if you're throwing your legs side to side as opposed to landing them beneath your hips and driving off the ground it becomes counterproductive so just by aligning your arm swing and causing you to be more linear in your movement is Mm. is showing you dividends and can i tell you something i'm looking for sub six from you after we see you in July. Sounds good to me. If I take you from 8 to 6.30, it's not unheard of to take you from 6.30 to 6. Awesome. Feel it? Yep. By the way, other people that were at that clinic, and some of them you probably don't know, but let me just give you some uptick on progress. Matt Liptek, who was at the clinic. Remember the guy doing the burpees? Oh, yeah. His shirt off? Oh, yeah. And he, wasn't his uh, VO2 max super high, too? Yeah, he did really well. Yeah, really well on that. He, cool. I've been coaching him ever since then. Nice. He won the New Jersey Ultra Beast. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And by a pretty good margin. And he just last week podiumed at New York for the Tuxedo Spartan. Yep. Behind uh, the uh, Kempson brothers. Nice. But he's up in the hunt now. He's he's definitely in the hunt. He's coming off that that B list onto the A list of athletic performance, which is really kind of a big big move off the one shelf to the next. Mm-hmm. Another guy uh, that was there, Michael Day. He was kind of a quiet fella. Oh yeah, I see him at Train 180 all the time. All right. Well, Michael has won a buttload of races this past year, and he went to Bermuda, that yep. three-day three thing. He won that. Awesome. Um, and, I mean, he just emailed me the laundry list of events that he had won or, or placed top three in, and it was an extensive list. So we've got people coming off these clinics that are making some very big moves. And so when I start talking about you picking up another 30 seconds, uh, I tell people all the time, a pat on the back's 14 inches away from a kick in the ass. <laughs> I'm telling you the yep. truth. Uh, because I think you run pretty well. And I've complimented you before. I thought you've, you've done really, really well with the way you're moving. Just little fine-tuning starts to really take hold and starts to make a big difference. So, um, And then the thing that you didn't say, and I'm curious to know, Last time you didn't do the VO2 or the resting test. I know. Uh, I was, like, so upset, too, especially since I went uh, for both days just to watch um, because I brought some people up, too, so they could get their testing done. And as I'm sitting there, 
because I waited too long <laughs> to just jump on in prior to the uh, clinic, and then it was all booked up. But as I'm sitting there watching, I'm just, like, wanting so badly to jump on the treadmill and just to get my results and see how how mine uh, ends up or the results that I get. And not only that, but for the um, resting metabolic rate test, too. Because, I mean, with with those kind of testings, you get to really zone in on how to better your performance. Because it's not just the, the running aspect of everything, but it's uh, knowing your uh, heart rate max and what heart rate zones to stay in for which workouts and you know how to properly uh, feed yourself so that way your nutrition is well balanced for your performances. So just little tiny things that again make a big difference and I'm just sitting there like I just want to do it so I'm very 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 excited to see what my results come out well aside from just kind of looking at the results like a pass or fail good or bad kind of mentality yeah taking that information and moving forward with it in your training is the thing that you were missing when yeah. I start talking to you about that extra 30 seconds, when you start to get a handle on the intensity and how to drive that intensity relative to your training day in, day out, you're going to have a lot more purpose behind what you're doing. And, and I, you know, I've been doing these clinics since last time I saw you. I don't even know how many more. We've been to Dallas. We've been to Kansas City. Um, where did we just come? Austin, Texas, we just came back from. We've been doing them here locally. And... Um, uh, uh, Oftentimes, what happens is we got like 10, 15 people that had tested with us. And then the following day, the few sprinklings of people that didn't test show up. And mm-hmm. it's like, we're playing I've Got a Secret. <laughs> it's like, I know something that you don't know about yep. myself and you about yourself right now. <laughs> it's like, dude, you should have been here yesterday. Mm-hmm. And... So I'm not saying that to badger anybody. I'm just saying that um, if if budget is not the issue, having the opportunity to get those tests done is massive. Mm-hmm. And and I have people, incidentally, that will say, well, I'm fixing to get tested where I live here. There's this place I can go or there's a university I can go to. And i got to be honest with you, it's just not the same thing because right. – I'm looking at OCR-specific performances. I'm looking at the athlete that's running on the treadmill and what happens to them while they're running on that treadmill and what kind of things they need to focus on based on the information we gather from the results. And that's the the line of conversation that we're going to have after the test. So it's very, very specific to the individual and the events and goals that they have set out for themselves it's a big difference as opposed to going into some clinical setting where you get some student maybe even a professor that's going to you know give you oh i hear your lactates here and you're buffering blah 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 and you walk out of your head spinning you have no idea what the hell just happened and the information really for the most part has been useless for you you know Mm -hmm. our focus is put the stuff to work giving you the tools that you need to get out there and get the business done. So, having said all that, I am highly looking forward to the barbecue. 
Yeah. Which is good. And can I, can I just say, too, that what I really liked about your clinic in the testing part of it when I was observing is that you take the time with each person to explain what, what their results mean. So if they have any questions, it's not like, okay, well, hold on, let me bring somebody else in because we got to get them tested. It's like you want them to fully understand everything that's going to benefit them in their training. And I think that that's key because a lot of people just, you know, it's all about time and it's go, 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 go. And that's when the head starts spinning and all that information just gets clouded in their head because they didn't have that proper uh, time to understand it. So thank you for doing that with uh, the people that attend your clinic because I think that's so important and I think that's cool that you do that. You're you're absolutely right because at the end of the day, I've said it a hundred times if I said it once, it does not make any difference what I know. Mm-hmm. What matters is what you come away with, what you know. And oftentimes people will get in front of somebody that just doesn't have the bedside manner because they're not in the business of doing what I do. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to make sure that when you walk away, you're lit up, you're excited about what you're going to do next, and you know how to approach the work. And I just find that it's unique in, in the aspect of the way we do what we do, where, quite frankly, I don't know anybody else that does what I do the way we do what we do. You've got guys, you can show up someplace and you'll have somebody do a gait evaluation for you. And they'll talk to you about how you have instability in your hip and you need to do some glute exercises. You're going to you know, <laughs> lay you on your side and have you do clamshells and crap like that. <laughs> and completely miss what's really going on is that you're running badly and you need to correct that. Because guess what that does? That takes time All right. for, for you to really get in and solve the problem. It takes longer. It takes time. And so it's just different. It's different. And I I think the biggest frustration that we have when we go out and do what we do is we know the value of what we're about to offer, where the average Mm -hmm. consumer has no knowledge of what it is that we're doing or what to expect from it. If I say, hey, Laura, we're going to go do this race on Friday, and you're like, okay, I'm coming too. I want to go do that race too, right? So that's really easy to wrap your head around because you could start looking at history. You could say, last time we did one of these races, we had a lot of fun. We got all muddy, you know, and we laughed and we had a beer Mm -hmm. afterwards, whatever. So you have this history with the experience that, well, I mean, look at the sport. I mean, people are spending scads of money to go all over the country, you know, short of mortgaging their house to Mm -hmm. to get enough money to go out and do the things they want to do because – the adulation, the the sheer enjoyment and excitement that they get from it. Where of I'm coming around going, okay, I'm going to do a clinic, and uh, <laughs> we're going to show you what's wrong with you, and uh, we're going to talk about all the things that you need to fix. That doesn't sound entertaining, does it? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. But the point of the matter is it is entertaining. It becomes very functional, and we try to have a good time with it. And, right. I mean, I had a I had a lot of fun in Vermont last year. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. And it was cool that um, other people, I mean, obviously, if the student who is being tested doesn't mind other people watching as they're getting tested, it's cool that you allow other 
other students to come in and watch so that they can even further learn the process and what you're doing and you're explaining it as it's even going on, which, you know, since I was there all day, I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I encourage then, people, I encourage people to do that because, and, and I tell them, you know, I'm old and you just, there's shit that's like backed up in my brain that hasn't been out in a long time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden these pearls of wisdom pop out that, I had no intention of discussing and it just kind of worked for the moment. And so you just don't want to miss those opportunities because if you stay there for eight hours watching people get tested, by the time you leave there, it's like you got your PhD in the business. You, <laughs> you, you kind of get it. You know what's going on and you, you know, you're ready to rock. As a matter of fact, you're going to wear your friends out about it when you get home. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. We still got room. Those that are listening, curious about this, I want you to go to naturalrunningcoach.net, get registered, don't wait. If you do, you're going to miss the barbecue. Mm-hmm. By the way, the barbecue's on me, right? Hell yeah. I'm paying. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying dinner for everybody. What are you making? <laughs> I'm not going to make anything. Oh. <laughs> I'm buying it. I'm not making it. I think Patrick's going to barbecue. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but... Uh, Monterey, the Monterey uh, um, Super. Uh-huh. I opened my big mouth and said I was gonna, I was gonna cook for everybody. No, you did not. I did too. And you know what I did <laughs> is I, by invitation, and by request, I've had actually people call me up and say, "Hey, you, can I come?" You know, uh, I had like thirty-five people show up for me to provide them with a pasta dinner. Mm. I cooked it at home. And you did? I cooked it at home myself, yes me, and oh. carried like 70,000 pounds of pasta, <laughs> meatballs, salad to Monterey. And we. I took over the hotel. I told the people at the hotel, I said, look, I need your kitchen. And uh, I actually paid the person that works in the kitchen to stay overtime because I don't know their kitchen, right? Uh, just to, right. to serve and heat the food and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we nailed it. And I, I'm telling you, I, I cooked for, I don't know. I talk, I brought a lot of it home, so I don't know how many people ate, but I know there was like 30 <laughs> people that was in and out of there. I'm so proud of you. Can I tell you something? I'm not doing that this time. <laughs> I, I can see why. <laughs> I'll throw money at somebody and let them do it. But I, I'm going to be careful what I offer up these days. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. I've never cooked for so many people before. <laughs> have you ever made pasta for thirty people? Have any idea what that's like? No. Nope. Well, first of all, you know I'll wear you out with it. What I did is I like I I make my sauce in a in a like a pan, a skillet. Is it your special sauce, yeah, like, or is no. it just canned? No, stuff? dude. I I'm like fresh ingredients. I'm like chop okay. it up, tomatoes, mushrooms. That's impressive. Okay. Um, you know, putting it's, I did it with turkey and uh, turkey meat and turkey meatballs. So I, I only know how to make it like for a family, right? right. And then <laughs> so I make the family size, and then I got to throw it in a pot, and then I make another family size and throw it in a pot and make another family size. Oh my god! And so I went through uh, I don't know 
eight or ten pounds of the the turkey meat and about seven or eight bags of meatballs and uh, you know just going to buy the stuff, trying to speculate on how much crap you got to buy. So yep. short story is, we're going to barbecue and Patrick, it's on him. He's going to have to figure this out. <laughs> and you're not doing any of it. <laughs> I'm going to eat and drink. That's it. And talk. There you go. And have fun. And talk. Right. So, uh, Laura, I'm going to ask uh, a favor of you. Sure. Before we throw a fork in this. Okay. <laughs> I want you to sing like, I don't know, four or five bars of a song. I don't care. Sing- I don't care what song. Yeah, I don't care what song. But I think everybody connects the dots with you when they know that you have a good voice and you sing. And um I think it would be fun to say that yeah, I had Laura sing on my show. <laughs> I don't know, I might like blow out my uh microphone over here. Well, a little tiny okay. microphone. That's okay. So if you maybe if you need to hold it further away from your lips. Okay. Yeah, okay, so, so what are you going to sing? Um, let me think. Um, mm, you can sing a little piece of At Last. There you go. <clears throat> so, At Last, Laura Messner, live, Nashville <laughs> Running Network. All right. At last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. And life is like a song. Oh, yeah, yeah. At last. How's that? Is that good? <laughs> that was the amazing Etta James. Absolutely. I love, love that song. That was a good song. It's still a good song. I got chicken skin. The hair on my arms just stood up. Oh, I thought you were saying like you have chicken skin to cook or something. No. <laughs> I'm like You never heard that term before? No. When you I get mean, like when you bumps? get like goosebumps, chicken skin. <laughs> I've never, you never heard, heard that it. before? No. I've heard of chickens done, but that's not, you know, bumps on your skin. <laughs> you want me to sing a song? Sure, I'd love you to sing your song. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, look, I'm, 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 I'm... At the um, the cookout. You want me to sing at the so, cookout? Yeah, that way you have time to prepare, and you can have, you know, a glass of wine or whatever, and, you know, take the nerves off, and you can sing us all a song. Do you know... Um, in November, before we went to the Dallas Clinic, we went to Cuba, my wife and I. We went to Cuba for, I don't know, a few days. And uh, that's my heritage. And uh, these guys, every place you go, they have these strolling musicians singing something. Generally, it's some kind of uh, salsa thing, but... Beseme Mucho is a song that you know, I mean, I like uh, Andrea Bocelli's rendition of, of that song, but I uh, took the time to find out the lyrics to try to learn how to sing it. Mm-hmm. And I've done it once for my wife. And Ooh. guess, you know what I'm going to do? 
You're going to sing it at the cookout. No, I'm not. (laughs) Anyway, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Thank you so much for singing that song. Of course. And I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing you again at the clinic. And um, um, any parting comments? You're going to have to give up some parting comments. Can I give up some parting comments? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know I kind of stole your thunder a little bit by, you know, you wanted to talk a little kumbaya and tell people about <laughs> I love talking faith, kumbaya. But then again, I talk a lot of kumbaya on, like, social media and stuff, so people get a good dose of that. Well, but they're expecting <laughs> it from you now. So I'm going to give right. you the stage, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to offer up some parting words before we shut this down. Um, I mean, I guess parting words is just to... I think the most important thing is to to just be be joyful and love life and peace and love and I'm a hippie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, but as for like OCR, since we're on an OCR podcast talking about all that stuff, I think a majority, a big part of OCR, not just the um, the form of running and the you know the technical parts of the sport but I think a big part of it is the the mental state and being able to to overcome things whether it's an obstacle or something in your life it's all on where your mind's at and I think practicing your awareness of self and to just call yourself out on your own bs that's huge, especially when you're running and you feel like a quote-unquote failure or not good enough or, oh, I've already messed that up, so I might as well slow down now. Most of the races that I've come back from, like I started off in sixth place, seventh place, and, you know, you just you never know. You never know until you cross that finish line. So never uh, doubt yourself in the middle of a race. And just push yourself and know that you gave it your all. Because honestly, at the end of the day, if if you gave it your everything, you're not going to care what place you come in. Because you're going to know that, that I put it all out on the table and I'm proud of myself. So, yeah, be proud of yourself and have fun and kick some booty. Yeah. Well, I I gotta, can I just build on that? Yeah, of course you can. I'm going to build on that a little bit. Everyone that meets me, their first consideration given that I'm I'm going to I'm going to test them. Mm-hmm. I, this is like in their mind a pass or fail kind of thing, and they're all concerned as to whether or not they stack up. They're they're right. wanting to know how do how do I look compared to the competition. So, for example, a lot of guys know that I work with a lot of the top athletes in the sport, and these are the guys that they're hoping to beat one day. And the test gives a pretty good indication of whether you're in a place where you're capable or incapable of of realizing that goal. And so I get asked a lot, well, what do you think? Uh, am Am I okay? Am I better? I get a lot of questions like that. Mm-hmm. And I've also had, through the course of this podcast that I've done over the last 
four some odd years now. I think there's over 275 episodes at this point. Awesome. I've, I've, I've interviewed some of the greatest endurance athletes on the planet. Literally, some of the greatest endurance athletes on the planet. And oftentimes, I used to ask, what is it that you think is the most critical thing about your success? And what I've had said to me more often than not is to focus on the moment. Mm -hmm. Every day, every minute of your training, without judging yourself, on what yeah. you can or can't do and what the future is going to hold. Because you have no control over what's happening tomorrow or what happened yesterday. All you have is what you have at this very, very moment, and you need to make the best of that. And I'm talking about some athletes that are, I mean, internationally famous, world-class athletes that will tell you, today, this moment, what you're doing now, don't judge yourself, don't get crapped out, don't... You know, don't look at a performance and say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. Because all what training is about, the, just the term training means putting yourself in a position to learn. And mm-hmm. f- failure is probably one of the best things to learn from, right? Right. You don't learn much from your success. Mm-hmm. And I good? think, like, especially, you did great. You did great. <laughs> but I think, too, like, when you're in the moment in a race, it's easy to get caught up in everyone else's times and placements during the time when you're running. And I think that's where I got caught up the most. And I just recently, just this past year or last year started recognizing that I was doing that for like the whole race. And of course at the end I'd, you know, be disappointed or I I pulled back at some points where I know I could have given more. And, and when I started changing my thought process, I started thinking, okay, if I give it my everything and stop worrying about everyone else or if they, you know, made it through an obstacle and I had to do burpees or, you know, whatever it may be, if I stop focusing on them and just run my race and push myself, and this is the true test, is at the end of a run, if I go and check my results, and regardless of whether I was first place or last place, if, if I know, like I said earlier, that I gave it my all, then it doesn't even matter if I was last place because I know I couldn't have done any more during that time. And that alone just makes you feel better about everything because it's when the doubt comes that you pull back. Okay. Or, and if you erase that part alone, then you're, you're going to, one, perform better, and two, feel better about yourself. And it will show in your training and it will show in your everyday life. Because you're not cutting yourself short at that point. Yep. i got to tell you, at Monterey, um, I was up there. Hunter bugged the crap out of me to show up. And so I came up there, and Hunter threw down an amazing race. He was in the lead for that event for over 50 minutes. The finish time, Hobie called beat him. second, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Hobie called beat him by 38 seconds. There was a point in the race where I was watching the whole thing unfold on my phone thanks to the Spartan Live thing they did. Mm-hmm. Hunter looked over his shoulder, and he was leading, and he looked over. He kept looking over. His, I said, I don't ever want to see you look over your shoulder again. Mm-hmm. You, your focus is to move forward. 
you're in the lead. Just keep mm-hmm. doing whatever you're doing that's keeping you in the lead. Don't look to see where the competition is. Because as you, you're starting to second-guess yourself, you're starting to create doubt. Mm-hmm. And I never want to see you do that again. He looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and I, I think I said something a little bit cheesier, like, I will frickin' punch you in the face if I ever see you look over your shoulder again, or something like that. Oh, that's that. real cheesy, yeah. yeah well, well, I think I, I just kind of. That's a little violent, Richard. I dressed it up. I dressed it up for the for the PG rated podcast. Got it. I had some better words for him, but I, I just felt like he did a great job. He, he had a great race, and I just don't like to see him look over his shoulder. So don't look over your shoulder. Move forward. Win races. Yeah. Right. It's your race. It's not theirs. And go to the clinic so you can learn how to do it. That's right. <laughs> Do it without injuring yourself, you know. Even better. Yep. Okay, Laura, we're out of here. So thank you so much right. once again. Um I am You're going it. to I'm going to let everybody know that if they listen to podcasts they're gonna get a little bit of your uh your singing. Rock on. Well friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.